0: Welcome to Paket Pusher Podcast. My name is Orhan Ergun. For those who don't know me yet, I am a CCIE and CCDE. Today, I have a very special friend. He is not good at only technical things. He is well-known instructor and also a good friend. So, he is Anthony Sequeira and welcome Anthony. Welcome,
1: thank you so much <laughs> for having me. This is
0: great. It's my pleasure. Uh, We will talk about today CCNA data centers, our topic. And Anthony will give all the inputs, all the information regarding CCNA data centers. What are the requirements, how many exams, all the information, what are the sections and uh, potential students, what are the important topics, uh, we will talk about. But before all these topics, I want to... Give the microphone to Anthony, and he's Anthony. What are you doing? Uh, who are you?
1: Okay, yeah, sounds great. So right now, what fills most of every day for me is creating nuggets at Nuggets. Yeah, I am a full-time instructor there. In fact, I noticed that at Packet Pushers, you have had Jeremy Chara on the show, so I'm very Very honored to be following in Jeremy's footsteps here at Packet Pushers. For those that might be interested in taking a look at my video training, you can find many, many training videos, all completely free of charge, at AJS, those are my initials, AJSNetworking.com. So if you'd like to check out free videos on, like I said, a variety of subjects, that's a way to do that.
0: Good to know that, actually. Okay. And um, if you are ready, let's jump to the topics and let's clear what is the CCNA Data
1: Center. Is okay. it okay? That's fantastic. And I'm so glad that you came up with this topic idea because I think there's a lot of confusion and misinformation out there about CCNA Data Center. So let's clear it up. Okay. Then, uh, my
0: first question will be, what is so important about CCNA data centers?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. Everybody seems to understand the importance of a CCNA. Yeah. CCNA, what is now called routing and switching. I mean, this is, this is obvious, right? This is going to give someone that has like an A+, plus, maybe even an N+, plus or pre-N-plus level of knowledge, it's going to give them, the CCNA routing and switching is going to give them their foundation to everything that is networking. But one of the problems with the CCNA routing and switching is that I don't think it goes far enough in the very hottest, most important technologies that are taking the world by storm today. I'll give you a quick example. A CCNA routing and switching student emerges from that program, and they might run around preaching the wonders and the importance of rapid spanning tree protocol. And that's all fine and good, but they might be talking to someone in their job or at a technical conference and and talking about the wonders of rapid spanning tree protocol that they learned all about, only to become very upset, very disappointed, very frustrated when they learn that we're actually engineering spanning tree completely out of our networks. And now the student is thinking, oh my goodness, I just did all this study and mastery of content and none of it's relevant anymore. So the CCNA data center one of the misconceptions about it is you know maybe it just teaches the UCS system the unified computing system so uh, you know someone might say well our company doesn't use any UCS equipment and we never will so I don't I'm not interested in CCNA data center the point that they're missing is the CCNA data center discusses technologies that are also relevant and pertinent to new land environments. And and so it, I, I think a very important course to see what's coming in the future, or for many companies, what technologies they're currently excited about right now.
0: What are the requirements
1: for at the center? So here's the amazing thing. There are no prerequisites. None. Mm. And that surprises a lot of people. Because if you look at CCNA security, for example, the prerequisite for CCNA security is a CCENT or a CCNA routing and switching or any CCIE certification. But for the CCNA data center, there is absolutely no prerequisite. Now that is because The first exam that we'll discuss today, the 640-911 Introducing Cisco Data Center Networking DCICN exam, that exam includes a ton of CCNA material. So the CCNA data center student is getting a lot of that CCNA education in this track. So Cisco decided on absolutely no prerequisites.
0: Okay, you said DCICN includes tons of information from CCNA. You mean CCNA route switch, correct?
1: Exactly. Thank you for the clarification. It's CCNA route switch topics which are indeed included in these required exams. Now, let me make this point. Mm-hmm. If someone's really excited about routing and switching, and they're really excited about data center, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this podcast today. It never struck me before, so this is new information from my brain. Uh, but it really struck me: if we have students on that are interested in both of those subject areas, route switch and data center, and I'm, I'm assuming that's a very, very wide audience out there, a path that they might consider is CCNA route switch. CCNP Route Switch, and then CCNA Data Center. That would be just an amazingly powerful and rich way to go through this curriculum. And we can, I'll I'll elaborate on why that is later on in this podcast when we talk about the second exam, which is a very, very intense exam it's 64916 DCICT that's introducing Cisco data center technologies.
0: Okay. Then there are two exams, DCICN and
1: DCICT. Let's uh, talk about DCICN.
2: The first okay. exam.
1: Yep. Perfect. <clears throat> Let's say a student did what I just suggested. Let's say a student took their CCNA route switch And then they took their CCNP route switch. They could pass this DCICN exam in, uh, with about 30 minutes of study.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they, they would, this would be a very simple exam. In fact, that's one of the criticisms of the CCNA data center is that CCNP route switches are coming to this track And they're saying, oh my goodness, what a waste of my time and money the first exam was. Let's go through and talk about it a little bit. The first section is describe how a network works. So, what's a network diagram? What would be in a network diagram? What are topologies? What does a switch do? The OSI model, the TCPIP model. And the various layers of each of those models. Now, there is one aspect of this section that a CCNA or route switch or a CCNP route switch would need to, to study and that is a high level look at Nexus switches. So, so some content that would be new to them might be, if they haven't already experienced them, the Nexus switches. So they might come to this track in this exam with an excellent knowledge of the iOS-based Cisco devices, but now what I teach them, for instance, in my training is, okay, let me just introduce you to another flavor of operating system here, and it's the NXOS operating system. And at this point, We need to educate these students that this is the operating system on both the LAN data center equipment and the SAN data center equipment. This is the unified operating system, if you will, for the Nexus devices, as well as the MDS storage devices. Now, do we get into massive detail about NXOS? No, absolutely not, but they must be aware of it from a high level.
0: Yes, as I understand, with the Nexus and plus MDS series switches, for example, since they also run different protocols like fiber channel supports, right? So, some fiber channel related protocols might be there. That's why students also should learn about little bits. About those protocols and how they run on the Nexus OS. This kind of information are
1: you? Yes, yeah, that's a great point too, and that's something else that adds a lot of value to this first course. Mm-hmm. We find so many students are ignorant of SAN technologies because so many of us began our life in networking in the land and we never left it. Yeah,
0: we (laughs) just, we just give that part to storage admins. That's right,
1: that's right. And our worlds didn't really mix before. So we didn't care about what they were working on. They didn't really care about what we were working on. But now that we're trying to make things more efficient, more scalable, and, quite frankly, less expensive, now these land and sand teams really have to interact, as we'll talk about more later on in this podcast. Yeah. And now you have them wanting to know what are the issues and what are the problems in the land, and we're wanting to know what are the issues and, what, you know, how can we solve them on the sand side. So, Uh, You know, it's no coincidence that the course I am currently recording for CBT Nuggets right now is Storage Plus, and it's because so many of my students in the data center classes have said, you know what, we want a course that really, really goes into incredible detail in Storage. And so, by demand, I had no plans on making it. CBT Nuggets had no plans on making it. By popular demand, we're doing a 38-video course just on storage. And obviously, yeah, obviously, Fiber Channel is a huge part of this course.
0: You put Micro Nuggets also on YouTube, correct? They can just check those and... uh, Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely, great point. So if we have someone listening right now that doesn't have the budget for a CBT Nuggets subscription, I certainly, believe me, I understand that predicament. Mm-hmm. You can you can go to our YouTube channel, the CBT Nuggets YouTube channel, go to the Micro Nuggets playlist and search that playlist for Fiber Channel, for instance. And you'll have oh probably eight micro nuggets now dedicated to fiber channel, and you will get an excellent education that way. Perfect, um,
0: Anthony. I want to ask what topics actually exist there outside of CC uh, and and also CCNA.
1: Yeah, so the CCent and the CCNA. <laughs> so if we look at this, remember now we're talking about the first section of the first test. So in the first section of the first test, we only really have outside of CCENT and CCNA, we really only have the introduction to the NXOS and the introduction to Nexus and MDS switches. So just very little content, maybe 30 minutes to one hour of instruction.
0: Okay. What about uh, how many sections in the first DCICN exam?
1: Great question. So there's four total sections. Mm -hmm. So the second section of the first exam is on VLANs. And it's VLANs and trunks, but it is slanted towards the nexus. Now, the great news for students is... There's really nothing different. There's, there, VLANs operate in a Nexus environment very, very similarly to an iOS-based switch environment. So again, our CCNA students, our CCNP route switch students, they're going to feel very comfortable in this section.
0: Okay, what about third and fourth section?
1: By the way, yes, uh, one more thought that just struck me. Mm -hmm. As I look at that second section, it covers spanning tree protocol. Now, I mentioned we're trying to engineer STP out of our environments now. So immediately the student says, well, wait a minute. Why would I study it anyways? It's very, very important to master something like spanning tree protocol so that you understand the new developments that make spanning tree protocol less relevant. So it's very, very important to have that foundation. It reminds me of, like, learning a protocol like RIP and then really being able to better understand OSPF and appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, so the third section is, is implementing an IP addressing scheme, basically. So now we have all of our IPv4 and IPv6 concerns from CCNA routing and switching. So subnetting, address classes, private addressing, host addressing, and then a very, very high level look at IPv6. So please notice this section would require no study whatsoever from a newly certified CCNA route switch, and and notice I said newly certified, meaning they don't need to refresh on any of these topics.
0: Okay, what about
1: the second exam, CCICP? Well, uh, there's one last section of yeah, the first. Fourth, fourth section. Yeah, four sections. The fourth section of the first exam is now going to talk about routing. So what are the router's components? What's a power on self test doing on a router? What is the, you know, what is static routing versus dynamic routing? Once again, this is done in the context of the Nexus devices, but most of the content Ninety-five percent of the content is again something that a new route switch CCNA would know, and that's our first exam. Notice it's ninety to ninety-five percent CCNA route switch content with that five percent of the Nexus and Nexus OS in there.
0: But there is nothing like OSPF or ISIS, VRRP deployment, so on and so on. There is nothing like that, correct? Uh
1: her, her, well, OSPF and EIGRP make it to this exam, but very, very high level. Yeah, high level looks at them. You know, questions along the lines of EIGRP being Cisco proprietary, which, ironically enough, it no longer is, but the exam may be a bit dated in that regard. Uh, things like Why is OSPF more scalable than RIP? So, very, very high-level questions.
0: Yeah, when you say about EIGRP, it reminded me, even in the CCBE blueprint, you see the EIGRP. So, it's there. It's also in the CCNA data center. But I can understand a very high-level overview that the students should know about. Okay, let's uh, talk about the second exam. I assume there are Many things also there DCICT.
1: Yeah, DCICT. Wow, it is it is a very very intense exam. I mean, this is where the CCNA route switch spends ninety percent of their study time for their CCNA data center.
2: Okay.
1: This yeah, this thing is very. Vast scope. So the first section is on data center fundamentals. So this is where the student really looks at the land and the sand and really begins to think about differences and similarities between the architecture and the technologies. Running in the land and the sand, then architectural models for collapsing them, those layers, and bringing the land and the sand together are given. And then in this section, we are responsible for knowledge of the entire Nexus product line, and and that's tricky for new students because it's not like the old days where. The Catalyst switch that had a lower number was just, you know, less scalable than the Catalyst switch that had the larger number. Now, the Nexus line, the devices in the Nexus family have very, very specific jobs. A quick example would be the Nexus 5K as an end-of-rack device. And the Nexus 2K, also known as a fabric extender or FEX, as the top of rack device that is actually virtualized so that the Nexus 5K thinks that it's right inside it. It believes that 2K that's out there at the top of rack is one of its own internal line cards.
0: Mike Baker. so
1: Yep, yep, exactly. So, So, one of the topics in here, in this first section of our second exam, is for students to really know intimately well the Nexus product family. If I have any criticism of this exam, it is that, unfortunately, the exam authors get a little too carried away here. And this is where we get into extremely product catalog-specific questions like the specific capabilities of one model of Nexus against another. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's actually some excellent practice exams that I would encourage our listeners to take a look at. They're very affordable. They're from my dear friend Kevin Wallace, who I believe you've had on the show. Yeah. Kevin Wallace is, uh, he did some ebooks that are $9.99 U.S. on Amazon and their practice exams for these two exams. And what's important about those is they'll give you an idea of the level of detail we need to go into on the differences in those Nexus products. Now, believe it or not, I am still not done describing the. Big topics in this first section of the second test. We then go into two technologies that are critical for killing spanning tree protocol. The first one is virtual port channels. Virtual port channels are awesome. Instead of creating an ether channel or port channel between two devices, we go ahead and create this port channel technology between three devices. So now we have a more powerful way in that ever-popular triangular topology shape to eliminate spanning tree protocol. Now, when we get into a technical topic like virtual port channels in this second exam, students begin to panic. Because they feel like, okay, wait a minute, virtual port channels, this is gonna take me forever to master, and, well, let me, let me, let me make this very clear. Mm -hmm. The blueprint is excellent if you read it very closely. Okay, so, we have virtual port channels, which help to kill spanning tree protocol, if you look at the blueprint, it says describe, configure, and verify virtual port channels. Okay, so that is true. Now, the good news is virtual port channels configuration and verification is very simple, actually. Yeah. So, on that topic, describe, configure, and verify. Notice there is no troubleshooting. That's what would be hard, and they reserve troubleshooting for the CCNP data center. Now, our next topic in this section of the exam that kills off spanning tree is Fabric Path. Now, if we look at the blueprint carefully, it says, describe Fabric Path. Notice, no configuration, no verification, no troubleshooting. So, I always beg of my students to read so carefully the blueprint because it is giving you a sense for exactly how well you have to know these technologies. Now, I can't mention FabricPath without (laughs) talking a bit about it technically for our listeners. FabricPath is Cisco's non-standard implementation of Trill. In fact, I'm not even sure if Trill is a fully ratified standard yet. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but because I don't really pay attention to such things like I do just how it works. But Fabric Path is Cisco's Trill implementation with Cisco's own enhancements. I guess that's why they didn't call it Cisco's Trill. They made up this term Fabric Path for it because they are bringing enhancements to Trill.
0: Yeah. Trill the, the header is different, probably there. So What's that Rob? The header is packet header actually. The public public headers is slightly different than Trill header, but obviously they are doing both both of them same job for the layer two multiplexing, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating technology. Mm-hmm. In fact. It's the reason why we're seeing a resurgence of IS-IS, Intermediate System, the Intermediate System Routing Protocol, in all of Cisco certifications. Yep. IS-IS has come back to the CCIE. I haven't looked at the new, latest CCNP route switch yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if IS-IS has made it back to CCNP. And, and it's because of that... Fabric path. What Fabric path is doing for our listeners, it's bringing intermediate system, intermediate system routing intelligence to layer two. So it's fascinating. It's bringing that layer three, you know, equal cost multipath and dealing with these multiple links to get everywhere at layer two. It's bringing some routing intelligence to that layer two domain. Really cool stuff. Yeah
0: actually here i want to point out today we will not go to technical talks but for the vpc and uh, fabric also i want to say something for the vpc maybe uh, for students who are familiar with uh, vss concepts virtual switching system actually almost the same just there is one slight difference with the vss uh, cut in, on the catalyst switch actually, like 6500 and also 4500 they support, Cisco uh, devices, uh, you are, you have only one control plane. But at the data plane, once you send the traffic to any other uh, switch, at the data plane, they are active-active. With the VPC, uh, you have two control planes and also two data plane. Let's not go there with uh, technical uh, talk today. But at least uh, just why I want to say that some students also might be coming from the uh, another route switch or maybe service provider side. Then uh, they decide to go to data center tech. They might know about, but many of the technology also on the next side is similar. You are already uh, familiar with the LAN
2: technology, you agree with me?
1: Yes, totally. You can leverage throughout. You can leverage your knowledge from other areas. In fact, the last area that I wanted to mention in this first very big section of the second exam is virtual device contexts Mm -hmm. in the Nexus. And sure enough, if we have a student coming to us that has an intense background in Cisco security, they're already familiar with the concept of a virtual device context, because of course the Cisco ASAs yes. leverage security context.
0: Also, many load balancers support VDCs, virtual device context, right?
1: Yes, excellent. Yeah. I hope you'll have me back for technical discussions on some of these topics. I won't. First. Excellent.
0: Okay, with the second uh, exam, DCICT, these are the Big topics, right, for the
1: fundamental section. Is there anything anything more? No, no, I would say the big topics like we discussed in that Mm -hmm. first section would be the architecture and the overall technologies in the land and sand. Mm -hmm. We talked about virtual port channels being a big topic in there, fabric path, Mm -hmm. the nexus product family. Um, Those are the big... And, of course, VDC.
0: VDC. And VDC is very special to the Nexus 7K, so maybe the students also should really care about that one.
1: Yeah, and I think students will be impressed with the VDC functionality, especially your ability to control it, your ability to do resource templates to make sure that one VDC... Doesn't take over your entire Nexus 7K. Yeah, and it's very
0: special virtualization mechanism, actually, device the virtualization, I would call, not the control plane or data plane type of like. You can also create a VRF and you can put uh, your layer 3 segments into separate VRF, but it is really different. And once we go to uh, talk about VDCs, we will see why they are different, um, all those technology. What about another sections for the second exam which is DCICP?
1: Yes, yes, let's talk about them. So there are by the way there are six total sections of this very very broad and vast exam. The it. second the second section is unified fabric. Now, what's funny about the term unified fabric is well obviously it's a Cisco marketing term, but a lot falls under it, one engineer might uh, immediately think about fabric extension. And that is what we were talking about earlier, where you have a Nexus 2K, which is also known as a fabric extender. You have this fex that is at the top of rack, and it's like a line card as we described in a 5K at the end of rack, and effects also includes a discussion of virtual interfaces and particularly the identification of VMs running in a virtualized environment this is one of the most fascinating areas of CCNA data center for me one of the most exciting areas the ability in hardware to be to be able to identify, The traffic of one VM from another VM. So that's what one engineer might think about when we say unified fabric. But the engineer that he's sitting right next to may think of something else. And that's the other big topic in this section. It's fiber channel over Ethernet. Taking our host bus adapters taking our network interface cards and getting rid of them on many of our devices and replacing them with a single interface called a CNA, a converged network adapter. And this converged network adapter will allow, let's say, our Blade server to communicate with fiber channel encapsulated in Ethernet. So now we're starting to get into the extreme scalability enhancements, the extreme cost savings, the extreme efficiencies of marrying or unifying the fiber channel and the Ethernet. It reminds me of I think the comedic great Bill Murray, who I guess it was Ghostbusters, said, Ah, you know, the world's ending, dogs and cats living together. <laughs> and that's what we have with Fiber Channel over Ethernet. Yeah. So, two big topics in the second section. FEX and Fiber Channel over Ethernet.
0: Okay, if this section was Unified Fabric, right? Yes, indeed. Okay, what about the third
1: section? Ah, the third section. This is the section that either excites the student tremendously that likes learning new things, or it makes the student very anxious. The third section is storage. So here is where the student learns of these MDS devices. You know, what? what's the difference between what we would call a director-style device in the SAN and just a normal SAN switch? What is a virtual storage area network? What is zoning? A lot of students are very confused between things like virtual SANs, zoning, and let's say LUN masking how do those things interact in a storage environment how would we use them what is fiber channel how is it different from you know ip and 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 what what are the key differences in a san from a lan there's so many similarities but what are the key differences this so,
0: section this section might be really so confusing for the lan engineer
1: very very I mean, just a quick example, you know, the land side of the house, we have ports on the switch we call access ports, and then we have ports on the switch we call trunk ports. And that's it. The story is over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On On the fiber channel, on the sand side of the house, we have N ports, F ports, FL ports. Uh, NP ports. I mean, there's this, there's this list. It's probably 18 different port types. And, you know, this really can cause the students some nightmares. But, you know, as a trainer and as an author, I must say, if you get the right training materials that work for you, you get the right textbook that works for you, you'll quickly begin loving the SAN technologies.
0: Okay. Uh, is this all Just three sections? No, you said there there are six session, sections, six correct? Six
1: sessions, yeah. yeah. So already our listeners are probably thinking, wow, I mean, that second test could have easily ended right now, right? Yeah. With those first three sections, but let's get into the last three sections. The fourth section of the second test is a small one. Okay, now, by, by the way, that's the good news. We have three relatively small sections that come come next. The fourth section is data center virtualization. So what we do here is, first of all, we paint the picture for the student just how many different types of virtualization there are now. You know, you got to be very careful. If an engineer were to tell me, oh, you know what I do? I do virtualization all day. I would quickly say to that engineer, okay, can you be much more specific? (laughs) I mean, let's face it. If all he does all day is maintain and manage VLANs, he's doing virtualization. If all he does all day is disseminate virtual desktops out to his clients, he's doing virtualization. If all he does all day is... He's in the storage area network and he is, he is provisioning storage to end users. He's doing virtualization. So we really just describe all the different types of device virtualization, host virtualization, network virtualization, and then this section gets very specific to the Nexus 1000B. The 1000, yeah, the 1000B is a topic that would absolutely completely confuse and just really fluster the typical CCNA route switch. So a lot of attention is given to a device like the 1000B.
0: So these sections, there isn't They mean, from the virtualization, they mean the Nexus 1000, correct?
1: Yeah, like I said, it will teach virtualization in general, but then it quickly focuses on the 1000.
0: Actually, what I see in the community right now, there are many, many things that vendors also confuse people. Like vSAN. We will maybe go for the the second or third technical session we will talk about vSAN acronyms and the technology cisco is using for something and also recently vmware came with vSAN and they are totally different they are totally different technology but still vendor is using the same acronym also for the network virtualization cisco uh, was mentioning and even there is a book about that network virtualization. It's correct also but nowadays what we are talking about network virtualization with the overlay tunnels and then we are talking about all those VXLAN and VGRE, SDP, Juniper. So there are many things, vendors are using the same uh, name but different technology. So to be on the same page, that's why I asked what is the virtualization in this section? Unified Computing and Virtualization section of the second exam, and it's clear that we are talking about here, Nexus 1000 v correct?
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. And you know what else gets confusing for students Mm -hmm. and and troubling is this is a cutting-edge certification, right? Like we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, one of the exciting things about CCNA Data Center is it is so cutting edge. But here, even still, it can't keep up. So a student may come away from this fourth section of the second test, and they may say, the 1000 V, it's the most remarkable invention since the refrigerator. It's, every <laughs> network needs a 1000 V." And then, of course, they learn, that Cisco's now doing the functionality of VM identification in hardware, which is more efficient than the 1000B. So a lot of installations are intentionally not deploying the 1000B. So, so you know, that's another struggle for studies, is that they are learning about something that may already be replaced. But suffice it to say, the 1000B is very important for the
0: student to learn. Yeah, replaced, and also uh, there was uh, even VMware, uh, distributed the VMware is almost the same with the Cisco 98.0003, but of course there are some uh, additional enhancements for, for the 98.0003. We will talk about all those things. What about fifth and sixth se- section of the second exam, Yeah, excellent.
1: Now, the fifth section is something that uh I alluded to when we started the podcast and that's unified computing. Okay. Notice the CCNA data center. Notice it's not all about unified computing and that's what so many people think. We finally get to the unified computing section and it's not going to go too deep at all. It's going to educate the student as to what the UCS is. What are its moving parts? And what are the key features of the Unified Computing System Manager? So if they did deploy the UCS, how would they manage it? What would be the things they would be doing day to day to keep a UCS system up and running? And then I've got good or bad news on the final section of this test. It depends on how you look at this. The last section, the sixth section, is on data center network services. And here we have products like the Cisco global load balancing solution and the ACE features for load balancing and virtual contexts and, and things in these devices And, of course, Cisco, in many capacities, is getting out of this business of load balancing. And the exam authors actually recognize that. So, this is a section that, even if you look at the blueprint right now, Cisco is very honest. They say, you can expect only about 1% of your test to be in this section. That's right, I said it, 1%. A student could skip studying this section entirely, although I don't recommend that approach. They could do it, and they could easily pass this exam. So the sixth section, again, on things like ACE, uh, Global Load Balancing Solution, the Cisco WAS or W-A-A-S, that is the uh, content of that section.
0: Okay, i believe. We are almost there, yeah. And what do you want to say for the CCNA students for their journey?
1: I say really consider CCNA Data Center. If you are a current CCNA, if you just completed your CCNA, that material is so fresh in your mind that you're First exam on this track is going to be extremely simple. And then you're going to have an amazing look at the future of networking in your second exam. So I really encourage students to consider this. Now, if you're an old time CCNA route switch, you've had it for decades. What a great opportunity for you to refresh those skills in the first exam and then catch the wave of the future in the second exam. By the way, this CCNA data center is indeed the foundation for, you know, the CCNP data center, and then for those very brave individuals, the CCIE data center. So this is giving you a foundation for very valuable ...further certifications in this area.
0: Okay. Anthony, thank you very much today for being here with me. And for the also other technical sessions, uh, I want you to be here with me also. And thanks a lot.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I will come back anytime if you'll have me. And uh, what was difficult for me about this call was... Hearing your voice, but not having an adult beverage with you like we just did. So, so, next time we'll have to get together and have the podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Okay,
2: friend. Thank you. See you, my friend. Thank you.